Coaching Inside the Box. A youth soccer coaching podcast. A Brit, a Brazilian, and an American discuss culture and environment and the impact it has on youth development. Can you coach inside the box? Welcome back to part three of Coaching Inside the Box World Cup episodes. How we can look at the World Cup and connect it to youth soccer. What a World Cup it was. Argentina, Campeón del Mundo. It was fantastic. That World Cup final was literally the best thing that I've ever watched um, of any variety of sport or otherwise. Philippe's wearing his Brazil jersey today, which I find to be rather curious. Um, is it a bit, you know, crying over some spilt milk over there, Philippe? What's going on? No, I'm looking ahead. I'm looking to the future. The future <laughs> looks really bright. The episode today is we're going to talk about the past and what a World Cup final it was. Andy, it was, I've, I mean, obviously. I, I, can, I, can I interrupt you for a minute? That's all you do every day, so might as well do it again to, yeah, to kick this one off. You know, you know, Philippe just brushed over, you know, something that's becoming an obvious truth of Brazilian life is that they're never going to win another World Cup. You know, it, <laughs> <laughs> just like England. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I don't disagree. You know, it, it's it's patently obvious that England got lucky the first time with I, that that goal against Germany. But you know, it, it's it's obvious now that that Brazil, you know, isn't currently able to to win one because they don't have a goat. You know, and I'm not seeing one on the horizon. I'm sorry. You know, you're telling me about this 17-year-old kid, and he's got a nice. I think he's foot. nine, isn't he? Huh? No, there's another kid that is nine. Another kid that's so. If you're wondering, wow, like, what the future we? looks like for Brazil, <laughs> no. Philippe's got his hopes and pen and and hopes and dreams pinned on a nine-year-old. No, me, yeah. Nike. Nike, Nike does. Signed, Nike, Nike does. Nike doesn't care if Brazil wins the World Cup. Contract with a nine-year-old. I heard there was a kid born in the favela yesterday <laughs> that has <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>, good genes. <laughs> I, seriously, though, I mean, I've, 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 I haven't watched nearly as many World Cups as Andy because I'm not ancient. Uh, but Did I you have, have to go there. I have watched a fair few, um, and I and I know the history of World Cup finals that existed before I started watching them. I have never seen a World Cup final where one of the teams was completely dominated for the first 76 minutes, like I did this one. And then the whole time I'm just begging France to score, just hoping that the game can get a little bit better because the first 25 minutes were really fun to watch Argentina really just boss the game. But the next 35 or 40 minutes were almost, were almost boring. Um, and then all of a sudden, a moment of, of uh, let's put it, just like in, an individual moment. I can't even remember, which, was it Taram that did it to earn the penalty? But it was a moment that just kind of that changed the game. And, and he used his speed and his power, put himself in a good spot, a little bit of good fortune. And all of a sudden, that individual moment, because it wasn't, it wasn't a team play that led up to it. That individual moment turned that final on its head. And we, the world audience, all four billion of us that watched the final, were presented with the best World Cup final that has ever existed. And it's not even close because of that one individual fortuitous moment, I think. It was as though somebody wrote the most intriguing plot that they could have done for the for the game. Yeah, you know, it it just all came together. You know, and but remember, you know, we were recently discussing the uh, the penalty kick shootout as as a way of ending the game. Yeah, last episode. Yeah. You know, can you imagine on top of that game and overtime, 
if they'd have had the reduced numbers, you know, and we'd gone down to... Messi know, versus Mbappé. <laughs> I mean, it'd have yeah, been yeah, 1v1, yeah. Messi 1v1. And Di, Messi and Di Maria, you know, uh, uh, with against a goalkeeper, with, with Mbappe, Martinez, yeah. you know, uh, against Mbappe. Who would you pick with Mbappe um, from the French team? Uh, uh, Griezmann? You know, he well, he was off the field at that point. Well, just from the squad. You know, yeah, I mean, he's the most hes the most superstar of them. Yeah, so you wouldn't pick Giroud. You know, imagine if you No, had, I would put a guy to defend for Mbappe because Mbappe's going to get the ball and go one versus three like he did in the final many times and succeeded. I'm like, I'm would loving he get the ball? He if, gets the ball on the left wing. There are three yeah. defenders there. He doesn't even look back to see if there's a pass. He just go and takes all three of them on and he did that multiple times. And thank times. God he did because had he not, we wouldn't have had the final that we did. But if you imagine if Griezmann and Mbappe were playing against Messi and Di Maria, and Messi and Di Maria kick off, you know, they wouldn't see the ball. You know, I mean, the, <laughs> Messi and Di Maria wouldn't let Mbappe and Griezmann have uh, the ball. Uh, you know, it, imagine that, you know, that it would just be incredible. And the game wouldn't last any more than 10 minutes. So Fox Soccer... The coverage I thought was was close to appalling, to be honest. Wouldn't have to break away for the NFL. Really? World Cup final and you're breaking away? You know, right after the game ends to go to NFL coverage? And we don't want we don't want to be perfect just yet. <laughs> uh, you know, in the hundred, I think it was the hundred twenty third minute. The score was tied 3-3. Mbappe had just scored the PK, and he got the ball just outside the box in the corner, mm-hmm. and he went for it, and he, and he beat two guys, and then coming up on the third, tries a fake shot. It doesn't come off, but as he was approaching that third guy, like the world slowed down for me. I was like, oh my gosh, Mbappe's going to do it. He's going to score a fourth goal in this final, having beat three guys off the, bit, the dribble and bury it side netting. And Messi, who totally deserves a World Cup final championship, in my opinion, um, is is not going to get it because Mbappe just went next level on everyone. Um, I mean, Mbappe and and Messi are totally different players, Um, but I am curious to watch Mbappe's progression over the next 15 years because he's got this individual ability to, to create and then put the ball in the back of the net that is 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 is, is superstar level um is is goat level potentially and his confidence, um, and his confidence is just through the roof which is half the battle in my opinion mm-hmm. um um and and i love Messi to death but he's an entirely different player than mbappe poor and, guy though poor guy why is that he scored a hat trick and they lost <laughs> If you're gonna lose, I'd rather lose with a hat trick exactly. than not. I'm like, oh my god, I'll be, be happy. I'm like, I did everything I could. Uh, wouldn't you be looking at your teammate saying, "Come on, guys, help me out here"? <laughs> well, and the, the third one, the third, the third was that PK goal, but Mbappe created it, and that ball was on Frank. That ball did that you he see shot. The angle from behind the shot. Yeah, it, it had a shot. It had a top. Cor- I mean, it it was without it was going in. It, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's so so young and his numbers, especially in the World Cup, are just insane. I think that I think we might be seeing a a player that we'll be talking in the next 12, 13 years as one of the great. Why is he that good, though? You know, his family has got the culture. You know, they love soccer. His dad's a soccer nut. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, this dad still works in coaching in the in the suburbs of Paris in Bondi area. You know, and he grew up on those tiny fields. You know, in in suburban France, playing in small spaces under pressure. You know, going one against three. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that Mbappe wasn't you know part of the Greg Berhalter five against two school. You know, it, you know he was the one against three school. 
yeah. you know, and you can see it now coming out at the best level in world soccer. He, he's able to go one against three he's, and create he, havoc. He checks all the boxes of a great player in terms of physical abilities, technical abilities, confidence, you know, stepping up in the um, toughest moments. I mean, he literally checks all the boxes in terms of everything. It's, 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 it's incredible. When, when he hit that volley, I mean, I just came out of my chair. Just, just, I was watching the game in the basement. The whole family was down there. Uh, my boys, my nine and 12 year old, my 15 year old daughter. I mean, everybody just came out of the chair with just excitement and enthusiasm. And then as soon as it got quiet again, my, my daughter said, that's box soccer. Like related to the shot, like she saw immediately, like you don't score that goal without an intense number of repetitions in a tight space of striking the ball at varying different you know levels, right? And, and that, the dropping ball and him just catching that from the side uh, was just just next level. Yeah, it, you know, it's that ability under pressure to improvise in that split second because you've been there thousands of times. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And you can't get that type of repetition anywhere, in my experience, but in box soccer well he he definitely didn't get it uh um in practice um from the coach setting up a drill where they you know roll the ball out wide and they whip in crosses that wasn't going to create the type of intuitive repetition and little johnny missed seven crosses and mbappe's inside of the box like come on i want to shoot he he only developed that ability in in the streets and in the tight in the tight game. And uh, I need to drop it. I'll put it out on socials. I've got a video. Um, a few years ago for the Women's World Cup, Andy and I went over to France and, and, and took a, a bunch of girls and played um, a very, various you know French community clubs in the suburbs all across Paris. Um, and I, rem- I, got, I, have, I have some footage of me walking up on um, one of these small fields um, uh, in France. And they, they were everywhere. Um, I saw them in every suburb we went to, um, and they were turfed in most instances, not nice turf, like really cheap, crappy turf, but it wasn't futsal. It was just small sided concrete walled soccer is what it was. Um, fences and and, and concrete walls are what created the space. Um, and there were kids all over them playing, just playing, just playing. Um, and so you can see where it came from for Mbappe. Yeah. And these, these, you know, these areas are socioeconomically disadvantaged. So, you know, these kids don't have you know, the other things that, you know, take their time and attention away, this is where you get your street cred, yeah. you know, so, you know, it's, it's fantastic for society, uh, you know, we, we all probably have seen the, uh, uh, you know, the French problem that they've had with riots, you know, with the working classes over the last two decades, you know, and this has been their way of controlling that problem, you know, because the kids will gravitate towards what they love, and they love to play soccer, and they love to play, you know, in, in an environment where, you know, it, you know, they become credible, you know, and so they pursue expertise, you know, and, you know, it's, and this is kind of intriguing because when you play in those tiny spaces, the game is fun. It's hard, it's fast, you know, it's exhausting, you know, but you keep getting those moments where on the dribble, you nutmeg somebody, you know, you, know, you go around somebody with a merit on the turn, you score a great goal like Mbappe can score. And, you know, these are moments of, you know, in gambling, you know, dopamine release moments. Yeah. You know, and so these kids go, you know, running around the, you know, the, the small court, waving their shirt around their head, you know, celebrating. And, you know, the whole environment is just a blast, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, compare it to, 
you know, structured, you know, boring, stilted practices that I've seen thousands of times in the U.S. on these huge, you know, now modern, you know, fantastic playing parks that are terrible for training, you know, and it's the complete opposite culture in in the suburbs of Paris where all these great players are coming from. You know, and, and there's players like Riyad Mahrez that we'll never see at a World Cup probably because his national team is not going to get there. You know, and you know, <coughs> who are absolutely phenomenal that grew up in that environment as well. You know, but we'll never see them on the world stage in the big games. You know, because he just, you know, he probably isn't going to qualify with his national team. Yeah, and 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 France put on the the again the greatest number of players in this World Cup, like they did last World Cup, because they had players. You know, they grew up in France, that developed in, in these environments that we're discussing, and played for uh, numerous different national teams. But it, it actually a point that I don't know that I've made before on this podcast. Um, it, it, I think a lot of people in the United States project onto France or all European countries that all of those players that were developed um, came from the professional game, from professional academies. France's professional game is nothing. There are a total of three professional soccer clubs in all of Paris. Three. In London, there are, what, 15, 17, 20? And so these professional academies that exist all across England with professional coaching, with structured coaching in terms of youth player development um, far exceeds that in France. Yet France has put on you know, you know, two, three, four times as many players into the World Cup um, uh, uh, across all of the different uh, national team squads um, in the in the world, um, and and why? Well, simply put, in my opinion, it's a cultural thing that there's a less structure for the youth kids um, as opposed to more. Yeah, but 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 France would still be German if it wasn't for for the English. <laughs> World War II joke for those that aren't following close, which is great because we have, we haven't even gotten to the Falkland Wars jokes yet that I'm sure Andy's got ready to bring to the table. Um, okay, so I'm not sure we want to go there. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, okay, so so let's let's just do a bit of a a chat through specifically like tell let's go start with Philippe tell me about your emotions where you watched this final what you thought as you were watching it as it was playing out I watched it at home uh, not that of emotion it was just watching and only the greatest World Cup game that's ever happened I just watched it not a ton of emotion after the game was over I, I thought after the game was over I thought how sad the Qatari cleaning staff would be you know, in reflection that Japan didn't make it to the final. Because they had to clean it. <laughs> <laughs> the Japanese cleaned up the stadiums for them. <laughs> anyway, I, I mean, I just, I was just watching the game and, you know, appreciating good soccer. I wasn't very, you know, emotionally attached to the game. In a sense. I was enormously emotionally attached to the game, and neither team was my team. Well, I, I prefer because here's the thing: the two teams that I dislike the most are French, France, and Argentina. So I had to go with France, but I don't like France, so it didn't give me a lot of, you know, 
pleasure to go with friends, but I had to, and they didn't even win, so it was like... You should have taken a different neutral approach, which is I rooted for a good game, so I love the start of the game. Argentina goes up 2 nothing, and then I couldn't have been the big... Uh, there wasn't a bigger French supporter in, in the entire world than me until they tied it up, and then I was ready to watch Argentina score again. It was, it was fantastic. I'll tell you what made me the most sad is that, that my favorite team was the first team to exit the World Cup. Qatar? No, Budweiser. <laughs> and he's always been a butt heavy guy <laughs> is that one of the jokes you were playing before you came no i don't for those wondering andy was late to the episode recording and we re- record at six in the morning right so andy was late because he got held up writing more jokes for the show so that's what you have in store for you today um, Andy, why don't you zing us with another one before we uh, carry on our actual conversation? Okay. Why did Canada and the U.S. qualify for the World Cup? Why they did? Why did both Canada and the U.S. qualify for the World Cup? I don't know why. Because the players' parents couldn't afford the hockey and football gear. <laughs> that one's not funny. <laughs> no. no. Every, everybody at home is like, gosh, I'm going to switch to another episode. All right. What do you call an American holding a bottle of champagne after a World Cup? Uh, a, a waiter. <laughs> okay. That was all right. That was all right. That was all right. Do you, you literally wrote these yourself? <laughs> no, I'm a plagiarizer. <laughs> uh, right. Plagiarism got me through college. <laughs> wow. Oh. You know all that book, Training Soccer Legends? <laughs> yeah. Guys, there's, there's no jokes in that book. Guys, you know, we all plagiarize. You know, it's that, you know, Training Soccer Legends is just stealing ideas from other environments. We know that. We know yeah. the Ghana story and we know what happened. Yeah, and just, you know, the next thing, our 2v2 structure um, is going to develop the next American Mbappe. You know, it, it, the, nothing is original. There's always something that's been done somewhere in another environment. I shouldn't say nothing. It's rare to have an original idea, you know, but, you know, the, the ideas are out there to improve just about everything because they've been done before in other environments, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Now, let's talk about the fact that we had a World Cup final. There were five goals scored in the game and, sorry, six goals scored in the game. And five of them were from each of the other team's best players. What does that tell you? I, I, I think that's my enthusiasm for that World Cup final, not just because the drama was 10 out of 10, was because it, I think it, 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 I feel as though it confirms our perspective on how the game should be developed. It's the one, one difference maker, the X factor still decides the game. It, 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 it's it's simple. We don't need to develop the Poles, McAllisters. We need to develop Messi's, Mbappe's. These are the guys that win the game. It's the one, the difference maker. The team that had the two best players in the World Cup made it to the final. The team who had the better one won. I mean, it's that simple. I, I mean, Mbappe was was literally non-existent for the first seventy-six minutes. And then he just turned on. And within two minutes of showing up, scored, for me, the goal of the tournament. That, that, that volley, ball dropping out of the air, to hit that in that moment, there's not a better goal, um, uh, in my opinion. And I love Richarlison's goal, despite the first touch that Andy uh, denigrates. Um, but 
that goal was one built out of out of intuition that was built out of um, reaction um, and didn't have nearly the high level of difficulty from a reactionary perspective, in my opinion, that that the Mbappe's dropping ball at the top of the box um, had. And, and and so much goes into this, you know. It, it and this is what a lot of people don't realize is is that you know the the USA is a long way from catching up because it doesn't have the culture, it doesn't have the passion. And you know, I, I over the last you know, week or so got into an NPR podcast called The Last Cup. And The Last Cup is, is put together by uh, a, a, you know, an incredibly intelligent you know, uh, and uh, very lucid lady that left Argentina uh, about the same time that Leo Messi left Argentina. And it's about you know how you leave your homeland, and you know she she moved to the USA, and of course Leo Messi moved to Spain, and you know it's it's very nostalgic for what was, and but you know but points out that obviously you you know you can never dip your toe in the same river twice. Life moves on, and when you go back, it's never going to be the same. But you still pine for a return, you know, to your youth, to your you know the the greatness that that occurred in 1978 when, you know, Kempes led Argentina to the World Cup, you know, you know, win. And, you know, in 86 when Maradona, you know, led Argentina to the win. And this is all pre-win for Argentina. So, you know, it, it's just, uh, it, it's incredible that Argentina won, you know, because uh, honestly, this, this podcast had me in tears at times because of the nostalgia, you know, the, the uh, you know, and, and I went through some of the similar things when I moved to the USA. The desire for your current country to contain a lot of the things that, that you left behind, not, not least of all your family, you know, and your friends from the community, and you know, you're probably going through it now, you know, having been at your wedding and, you know, seeing you with your Brazilian friends and your relatives, you know, it, it's, um, you know it, it's very nostalgic if you listen to The Last Cup. You know, and so, you know, as I listened to the podcast, I, I wanted Argentina to win and win, you know, more and more and more. And, you know, I'm an English guy, so, you know, you know we, we fought a war. The last war England fought was with Argentina. The hand of God, you know, I've got all sorts of reasons why I shouldn't want Argentina to win. But for nostalgic reasons, I wanted Leo Messi to win. I wanted him to win because it's pointed out in this podcast that, you know, he was almost hated when Argentina kept failing winning the, the, big, the big games. People resented him, commentators abused him publicly, you know, over the air, mm. you know, on TV, in radio. And, and, and so, you know, it, it's amazing the passion, the negative passion that this game generates, as well as the positive passion. And he stayed with it. You know, at one point in time, he was gonna retire from the national team because he couldn't handle the pressure. Can you, ima can you imagine that? No. How how his life would have been if he had made that decision and stuck with it? It, 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 it would have been in some ways easier, but he would have been probably tormented. Mm -hmm. Now right. he won't be tormented. And he he did the right thing. And the, I mean, he just took a completely different turn in the history of the game right now. I it, mean, it's just what he did this World Cup was different. I mean, people are going to talk about how he struggled to get something done with the national team, retire but then decided to come back and then he won the Copa America and then he won the World Cup, you know, playing the way he did. I mean, 
Uh, again, I, I don't think Argentina's team is, is any good. I think right now, if he retires from the national team, they are in big trouble. You know, he's not going to, though, is he? The reports say he's not he going said, to. He said he's not going to do it for a while, you know, unfortunately. But, uh, I mean, what he did was just incredible. I think he, he single-handed. You know, it, it's tough to say single-handed, but, I mean, what he did in this World Cup was the same level of Maradona in 86, I believe. And, and is he the GOAT? You know, this is a... Surely. I, I, I just don't see it any other way. Well, you know, Philippe said, you know, Pelé's the GOAT because he won three World Cups. And so I did some checking and digging, and he only played one game in Chile because he got injured. You know? yep. And so he really only won two World Cups in terms of meaningful participation. You know, And then the other thing is that in, the, in Pelé's area, the era, sorry, the area, the, uh, the World Cups only contained 16 teams. So, you know, there was, you know, twice the chance. I don't think that makes that big of a difference. 16 versus 32. Because it's a, <laughs> how many teams has, have ever won the World Cup? Is it eight now? The, the, I wanted to answer the, your the, question. The, the the <laughs> your point doesn't matter if it's seven or eight. but The bigger the tournament, the greater the lottery. No, you know, on any given but day. But let's be honest. Yeah. You know, so that's got to factor in there somewhere. It's kind of like the, the uh, Leo Messi CR7 argument. I was doing some digging about goals scored, and, uh, you know, uh, Ronaldo has taken f 39 more penalty kicks prior to the final. You know, 39 more penalty kicks. So Prior to the final, prior to this World Cup, because this World Cup, Messi had like 12 free kicks. PKs for him. But prior to the final, I said. So you know, this, you know. So if if you make that thirty-seven after two PKs, you know, in in the final and overtime, um, but you know, it's so much easier to score on a PK. So Ronaldo's figures are skewed. Unless Emmy Martinez is in goal, <laughs> we can we can go there later. I but I see your point, um, and. I, I think that the argument between Messi and Ronaldo is not even close. And no, I don't think that Messi and Ronaldo is not even close anymore. And, you know, I think people could say Messi was better than Pelé, but that's opinion-based. I mean, it's very difficult to compare across eras and generations. And, and, and the game is different now, and I don't mean the way that it's played. I'm not trying to compare across generations from that perspective, but in terms of... Um, the game is much more global now. And so Messi has been playing at a significantly higher level comparatively um, to, to, how, to the level that, that, that Pele played um, and surrounded by better players and competing against better players comparatively to what Pele played against. Um, and so, I mean, it's impossible to compare directly. I don't think World Cup wins in and of themselves um, determine um, whether you know who the best player that ever existed is, um, but it certainly makes the argument easier to make, in my opinion. So switching tracks just a little bit, uh, Philippe and I got into a discussion over text uh, about the rankings because uh, Brazil it wasn't still... even a discussion. I was just making fun of him. <laughs> that's cruel. Can you, you, know, can, you read that, can you read the hey, screenshot, hey. please? Uh, but I, well, I will say that the USA is currently ranked ahead of Germany worldwide. The, you know, if you're making fun of me, that's ageism. You know, that, I mean, that's not fair. You know, I'm, I'm an old guy. You've got to take it easy on us. Um, the FIFA rankings of Brazil still ranked number one. And it, it comes down to this. After I did some digging, um, if, if either Argentina or France had won the final within 120 minutes, they would have gone to number one. 
but a penalty shootout guaranteed that Brazil could not be overtaken because a win through a penalty shootout is not valued as much, which is correct. fair. Yeah, which is fair. Which is fair. How, That's fair. how can you have two teams in a World Cup final? Did you I, realize they're Argentina? They're Argentina. They're, it doesn't make they, sense. They, they, have, they, have you realized Breaking that Argentina lost the game and tied two in the World Cup? Out of seven, they lost one and tied two in the World Cup. So it wasn't like they were lights out ahead of everybody. They tied two games. They were better in PKs, and they lost to soccer. I mean, soccer's a funny old game because so they Argentina played... Argentina wins Copa America, wins the World Cup, and yet is still ranked second to Brazil. I'm sorry. <laughs> and this isn't a good Brazilian team compared to the teams of the past. I, I just don't see it. It's another thing that makes me wonder about who's in charge at FIFA. The, the stupid decisions they keep on making. Oh, it's awful. They shoot themselves and, in the foot time and, we haven't, and again. We haven't, I mean, this isn't the right episode or podcast really to dig into Qatar and all of that. He did say that, that whoever disagreed with FIFA rankings was an idiot. He did say that, okay. and you're really proud of and that. Then, and then he's now disagreeing with the rankings. But I want to make a point on my only platform because the people that follow me on Facebook don't care. When they put that cloak around Messi, I'm not sure what it's called. Um, for him to do the trophy hoist, I was so disappointed in in the sports washing times ten that was existing in that moment. It, Qatar specifically and th- and FIFA allowing them to do it, totally injecting themselves into the moment um, to ensure that forever you know you know the iconic photos that we know that the World Cup was played in Qatar, which it should never have been played in to begin with. I. I I found that immediately my jaw hit the floor. So disappointed to see that. The, the whole thing from day one was uh, a, a, an exercise in economic and political power. And, you know, and two, of the two things that I do not think should, should come into the equation. You know, so uh, in, in, you know, in so many ways, uh, it, it was a... A, a poor World Cup in terms of the concept, you know, and how money bought it, and you know, it was it was done for too many of the wrong reasons mm-hmm. in, in the wrong place, you know. There's no doubt, but it's time to move on and make sure that that never happens again. I think it happens again in a few years. Um, and the what, two in, best players in the USA. In- uh, well, so the USA is obviously going to be an economically win economic windfall for FIFA. However, the USA did not earn the World Cup by putting the money in the private bank accounts of FIFA's executive committee. And that is, I think, a distinction with a difference. Um, no, I'm talking about Saudi Arabia. I think Saudi Arabia's got a real shot at having it again in 2030. And we'll find that out here in a few they years. I don't think that FIFA would dare go back to the same arena of the world. You know, and uh, they have to spread it around how geographically. Mu- how much money are we talking about? As much as as much as Gianni Infantino wants, and you know what, I would have said the same thing too, except for they just did it and they got away with it, and they finished the World Cup off by allowing Qatar to join the the, the trophy celebration with so, so, with the, the black band. To Platini and Blatter, you know, is they got eviscerated as a result of what happened. So I don't see that that uh, that you know whoever is running FIFA is going to take that risk again. 
you know, because of what happened, you know, to the people that decided to do that previously. As, as long as as long as Infantino and the rest of the 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 crooks running FIFA now make sure that they don't it doesn't trace back to them and they can they can't get specifically in trouble with the out. Department of Justice in the United States. I think I think they'll do it again. So you know, this is kind of a Trump thing. I think you know, after what happened to Donald Trump, nobody's going to go where he went ever again in, in terms of US politics. No, I think they'll do it. They'll just, they'll just hide it better. I don't think so. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't think they can do it. I wish anything. I was as optimistic you, as you. You, you definitely don't know Brazilian politics. So you, you, you know everything <laughs> is possible. about the USA. You're, everything is possible in the human race. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'll just leave it with that. Yeah. We Let's should start, start a politics somewhere. podcast, no, just the don't. three of us. This will be great. I hate politics. <laughs> Let's just play soccer. Let's just help kids get better at soccer in life. Through soccer, that's it. So, so I got a quote. Let's 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 look at this from this. You know, this this is. Um, Tim Vickery was a writer for the BBC Sports Illustrated and World Soccer magazine. He said, in Brazil, the game was reinvented. Soccer was reinterpreted by the Brazilian masses from a game of straight-running muscular Christianity to a much more balletic and passionate thing full of twists and turns. Playing this new style, Brazil was very successful, and this led to international triumphs, recognition, and passion in a nation that was starved of them. Did Brazil live up to that in this tournament? No, of course not. We couldn't finish. Do you think Brazil lived up to them in terms of the style that they played? I no. think we played good style of soccer, yes. I think we played creative. I think we played offensive soccer. Uh, I think we, we played skillful. We just couldn't finish our chances. We created tons of chances. We took people won, we did skills, we had beautiful plays, we just couldn't finish. So we need to get better scoring goals. So That's yes, it. Brazil played pretty. Yes, they did skills. But my contention is the skills were not the skills of years gone by that were the most effective skills. No, they the were because we, we had tons of shots. We had tons of shots on goal. We had tons of shots inside of the box. So the skills created those shots. We created, we couldn't finish. I think what we were missing was the, is the last piece of the equation, which might be the most important one, which is putting the ball in the back of the net. It, we, it, which, how many goals did Messi have in the World Cup? Seven. Mbappe had eight. Those are the two teams in the final. Our top scorer had three. So that makes a difference. I think we couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. They, they did. You know, the game we put the ball in the back of the net, we won 4-1, 5-1 against Korea. The other against Croatia. I mean, I've watched that highlight real many, 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 many times. That game is an easy, easy 3-0 game. I mean, Croatia had one shot on goal against Argentina. They had 15 shots. Well, Argentina I think, won I think my point is that, you know, I, I just didn't see Brazil using scissors, double scissors, Maradona turns. Ah, the be. things that in the past you know, were incredibly prevalent in the well, game. Well, you fell asleep half of a game against <laughs> Korea. Uh, of which there were a lot of skill used in that I mean, you, you, <laughs> so, I mean, Brazil... Brazil hey, in, give me a break, I had surgery. You know, <laughs> I, I think this, this, <laughs> the stats leading up to the quarterfinal are 
probably the most appropriate when we're comparing the tournament as a whole. And uh, heading into the quarterfinal, Brazil led the tournament with 9.1 expected goals. Statistically, they had created the most number of chances tied with France. France and Brazil had created the most number of chances from, through group play and through the round of 16. Um, and so I think but they not didn't play just against anybody. Yeah, neither nobody did played against anybody. Nobody played against Saudi anybody Arabia, at that point. So yeah, yeah. So I think that's our closest. That's the closest we're going to get in comparing them across the board, aside from the scores in the game. Um, and I, I think Brazil did create chances. I think they created. It's obvious they created more chances than anybody else, um, with the exception of France. Um, and um, and they say it was the same as France. Um, to 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 that point, though, um, they didn't finish. Um, and. And to Andy's point, the two greatest, the te- the two teams with the greatest uh, players, want or you know, were in the final, and it's because not only could they create and 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 do something special in in the moment, um, they could also put the ball in the back of the net. And and, he, and who are who is our number one goal scorer in Brazil? Uh, you don't Pele. have one Neymar, right now. Neymar, Neymar, uh, Neymar. <laughs> they do. No, Neymar, Neymar. Who is the guy that provably? Score and, he mi- and he missed several games. And where is he playing now? He's playing the 10. He's not playing up top anymore. He used to play up top. He used to score 13 goals in a Champions did League. He, did he play 7 or 11 or was he a 9? He was the 10. He was the, no, I know this time he was the 10. He worked at 7-11. He used to be a 7 uh, or 11. He never played the 9 though, right? He would play false 9 at times for Brazil, but he was usually like he's primes usually uh, in terms of prime in terms of scoring was always when he played on the wing he played higher up the field so Messi was playing up top on a 4-4-2 Mbappe was playing up top on a 4-3-3 almost 4-4-2 at times Neymar was playing the 10 so our goal our goal score was further away from the goal to assist to create to create we created mm-hmm. but we didn't have the guy to finish you know what I mean? So I think. That I mean, you were really walking part. into Andy's, Andy's Andy's comment that the problem Brazil had was Richarlison. <laughs> I mean, you walked right into that one. And and you know, and you just described how Messi played. He didn't. Well, I he didn't think play he was anywhere. the one he who played f- everywhere. You know, he just. You know, he he, he was given <sighs> a free role. You know, it's a total free role, and I really no, enjoyed watching Argentina play in the knockout stages so, from so a perspective. I just watched Messi, just watch him float and create and find spaces to exploit. Let, let's go back to one of my bones of contention about this tournament. So, um, I I had that dental operation, and so I fell asleep because I was you know a little <laughs> sedated and stuff during that game, but. <laughs> You know, but there may be something in the fact that I'd never fallen asleep on a Brazilian team before, you know, and so that that might play into the equation here. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so, so, um, but but uh, you were let's, you, let's you were up. you were never eighty five years old before either. So, <laughs> thank you for for taking a few years off. My age. De- death was never knocking on the door quite like it is now. <laughs> um, uh, it's a good job we're sitting down because you know people don't see me. We're using my walker, you know, while I'm sitting down. Um, the news coverage of of the World Cup, the Fox News coverage of the World Cup. Can we? I, I was trying though? to go back and look at this game and look at the highlights cause, because Philippe told me that you know the game you know, that I fell asleep in. Mm-hmm. He told me that there was all these great plays by Brazil. 
Well, Fox didn't show them. They don't know what they're looking at. There were no highlights. You Hardly any Fox. highlights. You're looking at Fox. First of all, their, their videos could not exceed five minutes. So a game with a lot of stuff had a lot of stuff cutting out. So it, your yeah, point makes no sense. No, no. I'm, I'm just criticizing Fox. Oh, okay. You okay. know, I'm not criticizing Brazil. Oh, agreed. Okay. Know, agreed. Agreed. Um, agreed. So, so, but, but let's, I'll speak let's, Spanish the let, let, next World Cup comes let's around. Let's do a deeper dive into this. So you've got, you've got uh, Lalas, Donovan, Dempsey, um, as opposed to the Champions League, you know, commentators. You know, so put up Lalas, Donovan, and Dempsey against Kate Abdo, Michael Richards, Thierry Henry, Jamie Carragher, Peter Schmeichel, Ray Hudson. And only one of them has put out a rap single. <laughs> it's... And, and, you know, so, you know, let's take Ray Hudson, you know, because, uh, I mean, you know, quotes from, Le uh, from Ray Hudson. Leo arrives like a witch on a broomstick and produces the hocus pocus in front of goal. Uh, here's another one. In the U.S., hurricanes have names. If they call one Leo, evacuate people. <laughs> here's another one. He arrives like a ghost in the night. You can't track him. His body doesn't even show up on x-rays. Lionel Messi, you could drop a tarantula into his shorts and it wouldn't bother him. <laughs> um, and it's not fair defenders follow Leo on Facebook because he scores on TikTok. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I mean, only Ray Hudson can pull this stuff off, you know, but... But, you know, he's worth listening to. You know, you don't even have to watch the game. You can listen to his commentary, you know, and then, you know, and compare that to uh, Alexi Lalas. You know, it, you know, there was, you know, chalk and cheese. Come on, Fox, you've got to do a better job. Well, Alexi Lalas, and I quote, um, Messi doesn't move me. And, like, it's at that point you've lost me. Yeah, how can, how can Leo Messi not move you? You've got to be made of, of wood. You know, it, it just, you know, you've got to have a brain of wood if Leo Massey doesn't, move, you know. You have no, no appreciation for art. Yeah. You know, do you even know what, who Picasso was? You know, it, you know it's, it just does not make sense to make that type of a statement. You know, it's just, just incredible. But, you know, you look at these other people. I mean, Micah Richards is hilarious. The guy just brings the house down. He and Kate Abdo, and they're, they're... Going back and forth. Going back and forth. They are absolutely hilarious. They don't take themselves seriously. You know, you know, you just, you know, sometimes they make you cry with laughter, you know, because they're there and you know they're serious about the game and their commentary is right on the money, but they entertain as well as providing commentary. You know, and people say this about our show. You know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We cut up on each other. You know, that's just who we are. You know, and, you know, it, there's got to be entertainment in the game. Otherwise, the game is like the English game was in the 70s and 80s. Uh, that's a good point. It's because boring. Th there is not another youth soccer coaching podcast where one of the podcast hosts writes his own jokes. Like, you are one of a kind, truly. Oh, I steal them. I don't write anything. I'm the great <laughs> plagiarizer. You know, don't give me any credit for that, you know. I was on the internet this morning, you know, pulling these down. Golly. At four in the morning. At four in the morning. <laughs> uh.
Uh, all right. Well, um, so so any other thoughts that, that are worth sharing related specifically to this World Cup? It's been a really great ride um, um, discussing the, 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 the various games all month long with you guys through text and through conversation and through, through, uh, through a few episodes. I am eager to get back to our next episodes when we dig back into various chapters of Training Soccer Legends and talk in a much more deep way specific to youth development because while this world cup is going on um our coaching hasn't stopped right like our digging into teaching the skills in the best possible way to be efficient to creating environments that push our players to uh to create um in ways that that other environments don't um has continued on and so we're eager to 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 jump into that but let's 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 wrap up this world cup in the best possible way well let's talk a little bit about enjoyment you know and and so um, you know, let's let's look at because we, we you know we're children's coaches, right? You yeah. Know, and and so kids want to have fun, right? And and let's look at the way that Spain played. You know, massive number of passes. The vast majority of them were sideways and backwards. It reminds me of St. Louis. It, you, know, you know, just there's no passion. You know, no enjoyment. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know to the to the way that they played. You know, they were simply trying to get a result a result that would give them the easiest passage in the following rounds, you know, and they failed miserably because, you know, they weren't entertaining, they weren't skillful, they weren't, they didn't do anything that was unexpected. They didn't do anything that was artistic. It was boring. Incredibly, incredibly They seem seem like that that kid in school that is the rule follower that does everything that the teacher says. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mm -hmm. ma'am. You know, always doing what they ask. And they were really, they're really good, technically. They're just, there's nothing extra. It's boring. Yeah, it's boring. Just so let's look safe. at youth, though. Now, yeah. let's look at youth. The bottom line is that if the players do not enjoy the activity, they will not invest much effort in it. And they are the ones playing the game. The best advice for adults involved in youth soccer is to remember that it is a hobby that centers around playing the game of soccer. When expectations are greater enjoyment for it, enjoyment's sake may be jeopardized. <coughs> when children perform out of a sense of duty instead of passion, it stifles growth. It's interesting to note that the number one reason given for dropping out of youth soccer by kids is it's not fun anymore. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, we might be losing the next incredible world superstar because some stupid under eight coach wants to win a game. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's got to be about art. It's got to be about enjoyment. It's got to be about fun. And there's no more fun, greater release of dopamine than when a kid does a move, breaks somebody's ankles, and rips a ball into the back of the net. You know, that's the time when you lose your crap and you run around the field, swirling your head around, you know, your shirt around your head, screaming mm-hmm. from, from, you know, the bottom of your lungs. You know, and if you're from Cameroon, was it? You get thrown out of the game. <laughs> or was but, it was it Senegal? But I if, can't remember. If you're not capable of doing that, you're not going to win a World Cup. And and we've said that before. And this World Cup proved that. Uh, Morocco, wonderful, great story. They were never going to win that World Cup, right? Croatia, wonderful, great story. They were never going to win that World Cup. It was always going to be France or Argentina, um, or had they been able to finish Brazil, it was never going to be any anybody other than those three. Yeah, I Absolutely. think it, I think it's it's obvious that you know again the having the player that makes the difference it's what wins the game at the end of the day and that's what we need to strive for like 
no person needs to strive to be you know somebody mediocre everybody needs to strive to be the best so everybody needs to strive to be Messi or Mbappe you know they again six goes in the final five came from these three guys and the one that didn't you know Messi had a beautiful play pass flick pass with the outside of his foot to begin the play to begin the counter so I mean guys great portion of that so again it's 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 what we need to try to do develop that kind of player it you only develop that kind of player stimulating their creativity like Mbappe in a World Cup final going one versus three do you think the coach was the the year the champs was yelling at him to pass the ball no he was he was letting him do his thing you know as Romar used to say why am I gonna pass the ball to the other guy to score because if I have 1%, I think my 1% is higher than his 99%. So I'm going to take the shot. Yep. You know, I'm not gonna. It's that, that mentality that these players have. I mean, again, one versus three in the final. Who does that? You've got to be super confident. You've got to be different. And that's why we need to try to develop. And the first goal in the, in the final um, uh, was a messy PK. But it was earned by Di Maria, who just completely destroyed the defender 100%. in the 1v1 um, to create the space to get in behind him before being fouled. I mean, it, was, it was fantastic work. It was, it was a classic mismatch because Dembele was the defender. He was hopeless. Had no it, chance. It, yeah. No chance. And, you know, just, just so little experience That's what defending. happens when you bring a winger to defend in the box. That happened to me as a winger defending in the box many times. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's talk about how, you know how much ego gets in the way mm-hmm. you know and ego is is uh, unfortunately a terribly negative uh you know a human need you know we need to you know to to have our egos fulfilled you know and uh you know ego has largely been fulfilled in soccer through winning you know and that's what you know makes everything okay if we win, it's okay. If you're Germany, you know, you win Germanically, you know, with a, a game that's closer to the rote form of playing than it is to the beautiful game that's played in, in typically in Brazil. You know, and so, you know, the, Germany plays a style, you know, to win through ego. Spain in 2010 played a style that, you know, that won in South Africa, you know, purely for the ego. It was ugly. The lowest goals ever scored in a winning effort in the World Cup. And um, I I wanted to read this before we finish. The modern slavish dedication to tactics and systems has allowed us to manipulate statistical results and control players in restrictive ways to their detriment. Coaches bent on winning have an almost tribal fixation with cultural enemies. This is a fact that becomes clearer each day as creative development dies and our players fail to achieve their potential. Indeed, by disconnecting us from creative license, traditional win or profit oriented coaching has led us into actions so inharmonious with a positive developmental reality that a character catastrophe seems inevitable for our players if we stay the course. Win-oriented coaching methods, far from telling the truth about how we develop character, are myths meant to feed our fading fantasy of ego-based coach power and control. 
if we have the courage to move beyond our fear of losing to practice coaching as a form of creative character development, we will abandon our illusion of control and enter into a partnership with parents in developing truly brilliant humans with spectacular character. We need to teach more clearly the actions that are life optimizing and in the process participate more fully in establishing human destiny and the destiny of the world than we do in our quest for control, winning and profits. This relational way of coaching in which creative character development trumps fear and optimal self-determination replaces control is a way of teaching that can help us develop phenomenally capable young men and women with the capacity for elite leadership, deep interconnectedness and truly great team cohesion in life. This is about life. This is about soccer as a forum for development in life. And the way that Spain tried to get, win the World Cup and the way they won it in South Africa hurts development. It's all for the ego. It's all to walk away and say, we won. But the key is, how did you win? It's not the fact that you won. You know, did you win by cheating? Did you win by inhuman behavior, you know, like the Qatari government? You know, it's how you win that determines really whether you won at all. And this is the piece I think too many people miss in the game. They just want to win. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter how they win, they just want to win. And I'm going to level that, that accusation against the Argentinian goalkeeper. Mm -hmm. He won, he was an incredible penalty save guy. You know, but he lost. How, how he won the, those penalties, how he made those penalty saves, not so much. Yeah, he lost, yeah. you know, in the way that he behaved. In the human being that he obviously isn't, you know, he lost. Yeah. You know, so as Argentina won, Martinez lost, you know, and he played for my hometown team, Oxford United. I want to be the guy that supports this guy, you know, because he, he lived and played in Oxford for a while. But I can't because he represented... All that's bad about ego-based, I have to win the game, and that justifies everything. Yeah. It doesn't. I'm sorry. You're not human if winning justifies horrible behavior. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Well, hey, it was a wonderful World Cup. It was a wonderful, I think this is our third episode covering the World Cup or discussing the World Cup. Um, uh, and I can't wait for the next one. Uh, but I'll leave us with this, leave us um, uh, this episode uh, with my prediction for 2026. I think it's going to be an American Brazilian final. And uh, I think we've got it this time around. Wait, U.S. and Brazil in the final? Oh, yeah, for sure. No. Yeah, I think that's definitely how it's going to play I, out. I think Brazil's going to win. <laughs> that's pie in the sky, wishful thinking. And we we're, just lost we're all credibility. We're, <laughs> number one in, we're number one in the rankings, so we're closest than anybody else. <laughs> number one in I the rankings. I don't think Messi's going to play at 39. I hope he doesn't. Please. Uh, I'm hopeful that the Copa America in 20, 2024 is here in the United States, and I expect that it probably will be. Um, which might be our opportunity to see Messi live, that, our opportunity to see that oh, swan he's song. He's going to be here touring or doing something. For sure. For sure. Well, if good. He's not playing. All right, on to the next one. Next episode, we're going to dig back into um, not the World Cup. We're going to dig into youth development and what training sessions are looking for, like for us these days. How um, can we develop the next Messi or Mbappe? Uh, we're, we're well on our way. <laughs> we're well on our way. Um, so, anyways, Andy, Philippe, great stuff. Until next time. All right, great job, guys. Thank See you. you.